Okay, so let's move seamlessly now. Sorry to interrupt your ceremony. It's nothing personal. I just want to devour your god. This is like some gravity's reason. M-O-L-M-M. That feels apocryphal, but I'll take it. No, that's true. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I mean, that is made for undiscerning days. I'll just auto-tune that, put a little guitar solo at the end. Perfect. All right. (laughs) Six hours later. Y'all done got diggly (laughs) tiny. Welcome to Men of Low Moral Fiber Social Isolation Edition. I'm your host, Jason Helms. While most gaming podcasts are happy to name their game of the year, we're the only one bold enough to name our year of the game. That's right, mm. the year of the game. This is our first installment of an ongoing debate as to what is the most important, influential, and overall best year in video game history. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Corrigan Vaughn. Hello! And my longtime brother, Ben Helms. For most of my life. <laughs> Why am I talking like Sulu? I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, ben, blink, like Kirk. Blink, but that's fine. blink twice if you're in danger. I don't know. One of the Star Trek people characters. Why am I talking like a Star Trek Thank you. That's what I should have said. What is Sulu? Is that an alien person? No, that's that's George Takei. Isn't it Takai? No, it's Takei because it rhymes with gay and it's okay to be Takei. Oh, mm-hmm. there we go. You're welcome. Now we've got that. Makes, I guess that makes sense when you give it to me like a math problem. Yeah, that adds up. Okay. Can't argue with that. Hey, I was going to talk about Math Blaster today, so... Wow, it sounds so dirty when you say it out loud. <laughs> Let's go play some Math Blaster. So, Ooh. as we get into this episode... Yeah, good start. <laughs> I want to frame the conversation. Uh, what do we mean by year of the game? Uh, we could mean the year in which the most really, really good games came out. Um, the most influential games, maybe the most important. What, what other things could we mean? Let's throw. I'm just going to throw us off track right away, Jim. please. Uh, so you recently made a robot. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Okay. Jason recently made a robot that will email or tweet or LinkedIn message him uh, the game that came out on this day or this week, five years ago, ten years ago, and twenty years ago, and whatever increments that he made up. So I'm really interested to see. That once he's done this, once this robot has been sentient for five, six years, I guess five years, he will know like, oh, it's the years that end in eights and threes. Like the, yeah. this is the year that 1993 will get the shout outs every month. And I'll be like the most excited about that. But I don't know. His, you've only been doing that for a few weeks now. But it's too early to tell. Huh? No, I mean, some weird stuff has already happened where like uh, Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 4 came out in an exact five year gap on certain systems. And it was like, oh, wow, oh, okay. that's that's funny that like they really felt like March was their time. That was important yeah, for them yeah, to get yeah. it out and cool. So I'm sure other patterns will emerge as I keep going. Um, I, I came up with this as an idea. Um, I kind of like old games better than new games um, most of the time. And so this was a way to get myself to play old games to say, you know, let's pretend that a game came out today. If it came out five years ago, if it's if it's on its birthday, then I can pretend that it's a brand new game. And yeah. so I just bought uh, Final Fantasy 13 because it came out uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, 10 years ago. Nice. And that's been really fun. So uh, we've been playing Final Fantasy Thirteen in my house, and it feels like a new game. It's exciting. A much cheaper hobby than buying games the month they come out. Yeah, it was five bucks. <laughs> yes, it cost true. me five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. May I interject two things real quick right here? I do, I do feel like I need to explain what a GameStop is for people in the future, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One, 
Um, good job, Ben, for not looking like you wanted to murder Jason when he explained that this time Thank because you, you, you. were so <laughs> mad last time. I, well, as soon as I made it into a robot, I started to like the idea. Okay, that's my second question. I need a, a like, it's a definitional question. Robot? Mm. Bot. It's a, oh, like okay. a Twitter bot. You know, when you call it a bot, that makes more sense to me. When you said robot, I imagined like a physical, like, burp, 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 burp. what game came out five years ago? Have you followed it? I think so. Good, because it's got Alfie 2 as its, um, was that oh, the robot's yeah, name? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. I did notice that. Yeah, yes. that, that's, but, oh, gosh, I, I just remember that thing so tactilely. It was in like a daycare <laughs> I was in or something, but gosh, that little robot. Uh, yeah, I just, I was confused by the robot thing for a second there. Cause, Understandable. Yeah, I guess I don't, I guess I hear the term bot all the time and it's like divorced from that context. And I've, I guess I just don't really know what the definition of a, a robot yeah. is. Thank you for the proper pronunciation. The main difference between a robot and a bot is that a robot has to be a machine. Right. That's what I was thinking of. Like it has to actually be. A or a person thing. who behaves in mechanical or unemotional manner. So comes from the Hungarian <laughs> word for slave. That That's I've heard before. I didn't know if it was true or not, but I've seen that on the Tweety and whatnot before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, well, might not be Hungarian. Uh, Should we start the whole pot over, you think? Let's start over. Start over. Don't <laughs> hey, let you know what? The there might have been someone <laughs> listening to this who was like, a robot, <laughs> and they wanted to know too. So you guys haven't been able to start a podcast since I got here, so just no. lean in. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> Here we go. Hashtag feminism. All right, so Jason, I think that's a great question. What do we mean by year of the game? I think for me, <laughs> it, it, the, the reason we thought of this idea, I don't know who thought of it, but it came up when we were talking about 1993. I, right now in my month browser that I always have open, I have two or three tabs open. They've been open for like three years now. One about Zombies Ate My Neighbors, one about Day of the Tentacle, and another about Sam and Max. And I was reading about, because they were all about, I think the... 20th anniversary, 25th anniversary a few years ago. Yep. Uh, when we did those games. And basically, we started seeing the year 1993 a lot in games. And we're going to talk about those games and a lot more. But we started seeing those games just pop up a lot more and more and more. And then 93, a lot of games were in development that came out the next year, obviously. But those were really influential games. And I was seven, turning eight that year. And that was like my prime, like falling in love with the medium years. And so I th and also just things moved slower back then. And that, at that age, things move slower. You're not getting the newest and the best things every month. And so you don't, you're not, especially in the early nineties, you're not even aware of like the newest and best things you wait for like your monthly magazine to find out what comes out later. So all that to say things move slower and games that came out in 93, I played for five to 10 years. I mean, this is years before N64 came out. We just played the same games from 93 over and over and over and over again. So I think that's why, to me, 93 jumped out as the year of the game so kind of iconically right away. It was like, oh, yeah, that's the year that so many more games, more games than 92, more games than 94, and anyone's around them just were games that stood out to me personally and to Monf and the Monf community, all of our faults. It just seemed to be a game that kind of randomly had a lot of games in our niche. Yeah. Um, I, I want to stop one thing you said, the... Things moved more slowly then, which I think is really true, that life moved a lot more slowly. Until March 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, yes. I think game development moved a lot more quickly, uh, both in the development mm. of an individual game, uh, it just took less time, but also the change between games, the kind of innovation that was happening, it was so rapid. You know, raycasting had just been developed a year or two previously. Um, these new technologies and techniques. Uh, what? Yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, 
were, were just coming out fast and just upending everything. And so you would have games that were really technologically advanced being released next to games that were not just right after another uh, because things were moving so quickly. And because life moved more slowly, we had more time to sit and think about some of those changes. So I did just send Corey and all of us on our Slack. Uh, I just was looking up, I was wondering when 93 came and, and like the Nintendo releases and the Genesis releases. And uh, SNES actually came out September 9th, hey! 1991. Hey-o. Aww. Which is also kind of funny because the Dreamcast came out September 9th, 1999. This is also Corey's birthday, which is why we're all talking around it. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, and it's it. the only yeah. reason I would know off the top of my head yes. when the Dreamcast came out. Because I was sitting at home while my parents were at the Metreon celebrating it. Oh, I celebrate yeah. the release of every major system. <laughs> right. To the Metreon! You know, that would have really helped me on the Geeks Who Drink episode that I was on, because we had to organize all of the systems by what year they came out, and uh, and our team lost on that one. Oh, wow. So you would have been helpful. All right, so back to criteria. Um, and this is important. Let, let me uh, frame it a different way. Tim right. Rogers has a great video that we're going to link to in the notes uh, about 1994 as the best year in gaming. Whoa. Um, and it's a really cool video, about an hour long, and he covers a lot of the amazing, great games that came out that year. And one of the things he talks about is the ways that this is the, the year that games kind of matured, that games just kind of hit a next level. And I think that's a really interesting way to choose you know, what is your year of the game. Um, 1993 is really different. It's not the year that games matured. It's a really transitional year. There were huge improvements on previous systems and genres. One encapsulation of this is Doom. Tim Rogers talks about Doom 2 coming out in 1994 and Doom 2 improving so much over the original Doom. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I think we could look at it as a superior game. Uh, a lot of people who do Doom modding use the Doom 2 engine to do that modding. But Doom is the one of those two that's going to be recognized as one of the top 10 games ever made. Not because it's a better game than Doom 2, but because it was so influential, so important, yeah. so groundbreaking. And so the question of, you know, what is the year of the game begins with the question of, you know, where do we want to start? Do we want to go with Doom or do we want to, want to go with Doom 2? And I'm interested in this episode with going with the Doom uh, kind of focus of what's groundbreaking, what's interesting, what's, what's weird, what's changing things, and what will be remembered later. This is the opposite of the Barney Stinson MO, which is... That's right. Yeah. Older is always better. That's exactly right. Yes. Hmm. Um, so yeah, 1994 is the year that gaming hit its stride. Uh, 93, though, is getting up to speed. And I think that leads to some really interesting games. And that's exciting to me. So that, that, those are my criteria. Yeah. That's where I'm coming from. What are some other places we could go with it, though? Or if you've got other thoughts on that. Yes, I thought of um, just thinking about all of these games, and it kind of goes with what Ben was saying earlier about like how much time, he, like how we played these games for 10 years or whatever. That was what I was thinking of. I'm like, there's yeah. so many of these games on here that I straight played for years and years and years. So they are just infinitely replayable, you know, that it was like I would go back and even, you know, we'll talk about some of these later on. But like once, um, you know, I couldn't use these things anymore. There's they use floppy disks and whatnot that computers don't have. And I was like, you know, when I would get on the Internet and I would be like, hey, I wonder if there's some way that I can play this online, like find some other version of this that I can download so that I can still play this up until, you know, 2004, 2005, when I was, or 2004, when I was in college, um, 
up to now, sometimes I'll still look at it, uh, these same games again. So part of it for me is this idea that the games that came out that year were ones that we played forever. Although you raise a good point with Doom 2, maybe it's not even necessarily that these games were the ones that we played infinitely, uh, but that they spawned other ones that we played infinitely. Yeah. Oh, it's true, huh? Yeah, because there are definitely a lot of either either games that inspired other games for even just on a developmental background, like they started a new developmental company or just people were inspired by these games to create other ones or just these were the original and so many sequels right. came from these games in 93 that we'll talk about. That's <laughs> a good point. And I'm hopeful that this uh, series will continue and we'll we'll have a big fight about 2002 or 1998 or some other great uh, years. Yeah. By the way, my other pick for the uh, best year in gaming would be 2017. So uh, we'll get back to that wow. someday. I know. I know 99 is a big one. I've heard people talk about the ringer had a whole uh, last year on the 20th anniversary of 99. They, they had like a whole series, like a three month long thing of on games, on movies, on books, on all these things that came out in 99. So, and that's not something they just do every year. I think 99 yeah. is something that kind of stood out to them. <laughs> well, cause you do get, but, you get dreamcast. You get like, was it PS2 that came out? Not in quite. Uh, I believe it was 2000. And like, there's a couple of yeah. big consoles that come out that year. So that makes and that spawns the entire 2K like series yeah. of yeah. games that still exist to this day. All of that. Yeah. So true. Good point. All right. So so let's start our discussion. Uh, we're just going to popcorn around uh, by going through uh, some of the games uh, that came out this year. I think we should start with Doom, uh, one that Corey <laughs> wanted to talk about. And mm-hmm. I want to start with the concept of ray casting before I go to Corey. OK, so Corey, you're going to talk about everything that's great about Doom and why it was important, <laughs> and why it was exciting. And all of that is true. And I'm going to talk about what made Doom possible. So, yes. raycasting is a, a uh, system, a, a software technique, uh, whereby the computer looks at what the player should be looking at, and only renders the things that the player is looking at. So if you think of a Doom level, imagine the amount of work the computer has to do to render the entire level, to imagine what everything looks like. And how much work can be saved if the only thing that the computer renders is whatever the player is looking at at that moment? And because of raycasting and things like that, that's why we have things like pop-ups, right? It was something that the person couldn't see, and now they got just close enough that it pops up. And then the... Because the, the, com- the pod racer is going so fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The computer decided, oh, that's in your view now. Boom, render it. Yeah. Uh, and so instead of rendering levels, they would remember the whole layout of the level, uh, but they would rem- remember something called like a tile, for the wall. Uh, they wouldn't draw the entire wall. They would just say, uh, tile 74 goes here whenever the player looks over here. Oh, the player's looking, boom, tile 74. Uh, so what you're looking at is a gif of imagine, an imaginary player circling around, looking at a room, and on the right is an overhead imaginary view uh, of that, and we'll link to this as well. It's on the Wikipedia for raycasting. On the left is what the player actually sees and what the computer actually shows them, what it actually renders at the time. So this was a huge technological leap, and it was first seen in Wolfenstein 3D, and that's why we saw this huge jump in graphics, in playability, and the rise of the first-person shooter. The first-person shooter revolves around raycasting. And so this is kind of going back on what I just said about, uh, you know, Doom 2 being when it hits its stride. Wolfenstein 3D was very experimental. Doom was when they took this experimental thing and then said, now what kinds of things can we do with it? You know, they innovated on experiments. And then Doom 2 is when they're like, okay, now let's let's uh, round off those rough corners. All right, now, Corey, tell us what did they do with this technology? 
<laughs> what did they do with it? Okay, well, uh, some of that was a little bit about what I was going to say because uh, I think it's important that we think about like just what this did for first-person shooters. Right? Like this is kind of such a foundational game in that genre, and of course, like you said, Wolfenstein was kind of like that. Uh, that taking us there in the first place. And I know um, that was the game that everyone in my family was hooked on, but also my parents were kind of like, you probably shouldn't be playing this either because it's very inappropriate. Um, and and Doom and Wolfenstein kind of share this, like, like there's not really plot necessarily to this. Um, like Wolfenstein, it's like, you're shooting Nazis and their dogs. Like, okay, that's what this game is about. And Doom, you're like, kind of this guy who's like on Mars, I guess, and you're shooting alien things. Uh, and it's just really not about like plot in this game at all. Uh, and one of my favorite things about Doom, as someone who is terrible at video games, uh, is cheat codes. This is what made yeah. Doom so much fun for me, was uh, learning the cheat codes. And honestly... I don't know if you guys have an answer for this because I don't know where I learned them from because I wasn't like Googling cheat codes for right. Doom. I distinctly remember my brother Zach telling me, you know, IDKFA, that stands for like id kicks ass. And I was like, wow, okay. I don't know if it does Where did they or anything learn it like from? that, right? Like, and I'm, that's the thing. I'm like, I don't remember Zach playing video games, so I have no idea where he it just came knew from. It. It's just an he innate just, knowledge just in older thing. brothers. Yeah, older brothers just know this. But all that <laughs> yeah. to say, I think like that's one of the things that carries Doom into the zeitgeist as well is this weird shared knowledge we had of these codes. And just for the record, my favorite one that I still remember to this day uh, was for no clipping mode. Do you guys remember that? It wasn't just no clip. It was it was called no clipping, but no clip is yeah the other. I googled this earlier. It's called no clipping or no clip. Yeah, but was Either no way. clip yeah. the code? Or was it? No, 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 no. That wasn't the code. Okay, what was um, the code? The code was IDSPISPOPD. Oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Yeah. You said that way too fast. Yeah, no, I have remembered it my entire life. That's amazing. Clearly since I was eight years old. Uh, wow. And this just made you, made it so you could walk through walls. You like fly around, yeah. In the game. So it's like you, you stack that on with some God mode, with yeah. some unlimited ammo, and you can walk through walls and you're doing all of this and it's amazing. Uh, but I learned that there's also, like I just Googled it to make sure that I had remembered it right after all these years. And it actually has a story behind it, if you'll let me indulge Please. you for like one yeah. minute. Um, this is going to be so. the longest episode ever, but <laughs> no, sure. no one has anywhere to be, so we're good. It's a really good point. What are you doing besides <laughs> listening to podcasts right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, IDSPISPOPD. Um, when Doom was, this comes from Urban Dictionary, by the way. Uh, when Doom was first announced uh, and the first screenshots started appearing in video game magazines, the fledgling internet community was a buzz. So as CyberLawyer would have it, the topic of Doom was so common on the Usenet group. I'm not actually going to say the Usenet group. It's got lots of things in it. But the Usenet group that someone jokingly suggested that its next game have a title less likely to be used as a subject header and gave the example of smashing pumpkins into small piles of putrid debris or S-P-I-S-P-O-P-D for short. 
So people jokingly threw ideas for what the game would be about, and eventually it blossomed into SPI-SPOPD FAQ, which later still culminated in the game SPI-SPOPD, a little puzzler, which was coded in just under 48 hours. Oh my god. SPI-SPOPD became so well known that it reached Doom's coders, and one of them snuck in the code uh, IDSPOPD at the last minute. But, Jason, to your point before, uh, it was later changed to ID Clip for the sequel, uh, Doom 2. Yep, that's where I used it. Sorry, I'm a Doom 2 player. Wow. That's where you were getting the ID Clip from. But I thought that was kind of fun. This thing that I've, the one, like, wow. I mean, I know several of them still, but the one that really, like, I'll get it stuck in my head when you get, like, a word stuck in your head. Uh, and there was a story behind it. Wow. So, but that's what I loved about Doom. Doom is obviously it's a first-person shooter. It's a super influential one that led to other games like it. But it was the cheat codes that made Doom for me. Yeah, I feel like so many times in our in our friendship, Corey, you said, you know, when like this thing happens, and I would just be like, yeah, yeah, like when you get a word <laughs> stuck in your head. I've never had a word yeah. stuck in my head, but yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. I don't know <laughs> if I'm the weird one or you're the weird one. You're both the weird ones. Oh, thanks, Jay. You got oh, it. What were you going to say, Jay? Well, I, I want to go back to your question about I don't know where this stuff came from. Yeah. And it's so, if you didn't grow up during that time, it's so difficult to convey to people that, like, you would get this information. And sometimes the information would be, like, literally written on a Post-it note next to the computer. <laughs> and you weren't sure who had written it there. Yeah. <laughs> or you got the game used and it was on the instruction manual. Right. Well, remember, Doom first came out of shareware. And so we yeah. have to explain what shareware was. Oh, jeez. This yeah, because that comes up yeah. in Jill of the Jungle, too. Yeah, it's yeah. going to come up all over yeah. the place. And the pinball. Yeah, all of it. So shareware was uh, a game demo, but it wasn't just a game demo. Uh, it was usually a little bit longer than a game demo. It was usually more than a level. It was usually three or four levels. It was often something you purchased for like two or three bucks, maybe five bucks. Uh, Apogee Software was one of the big distributors of it. And there would be, uh, in a game store, there would be like a whole rack of shareware that you would just, you know, grab and uh, be able to play with. And the idea was... In stores like Electronics Boutique. Oh, yes. And, uh, gosh. <laughs> no no other game stores come to mind right now. Yeah, Babbage's. What was the... Um, uh, now I just want to think of old game store names. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the uh, there'd be this rack of apogee software uh, shareware and so the idea was you take this disc and you go home you install it and then you share it with a friend and then they install it and then they share it with a friend and then they install it so basically we're talking about online game demos that you would download but this is before most of the community had the internet the internet existed since the 60s the web only since 1992 most people were not on it at this time like barely anyone was on it at this time and so, yeah, that's how shareware worked, and that's how Doom got passed around. So you might have a code written on your disk, and the person who gave you that disk might not know where that code came from, because who knows where yep. they got the disk. Uh, vi <laughs> this was a time where viruses got passed around that way, uh, or at least there were always rumors that you would get a virus from shareware, not because of the company, but because someone else had put something else on the disk. All these disks were reusable and rewritable with just a piece of tape, um, which, yes, I remember doing it, and I felt way too yep. proud of when I said it. <laughs> um, all right to get me out of that uh anything else about doom we want to say uh it's awesome id software is just down the road from me oh um, in richardson texas like half hour from here and there's yeah. like they recently released the newest doom game right like i keep hearing yeah. people talking about it yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. like last week also the movie was yeah. awesome i don't care what anyone says so there is a fantastic podcast on the movie right now that you should listen to Corey. 
Ooh, on really? Fan Bite. Um, okay. They have a series called You Love to See It. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I like the title. Yeah, it's yeah. Fan Bite with a Y. Uh, so I think you'll like that. That's their latest episode. Okay, well, are they are they talking about how uh, underrated it is? Yes. Or do they hate it? Okay, great, wonderful. Yes. Because I love that movie. Yeah, absolutely. They are in on it. I haven't <laughs> listened to the whole episode, but as it started up, I was like, yeah, they're into this. And I, I queued it up to be next on my podcast okay, list. So I'll, I'll listen to it tomorrow and tell you all about it. Excellent. Okay, we are about 10 minutes into talking about our list of games. There's probably 50 games on our list. We're probably not going to talk about, I don't know, maybe 20, something like that. Sure. Uh, we'll probably, yeah, sorry. We're probably going to talk about real daunting. To we won't spend 10 minutes on each and we won't. Ten, yeah. I was going to say <laughs> but, that. <laughs> Doom was also, one of the most influential yes. video games of all time. Not, not all of them will be doom. Yes. 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 All right. So Ben, that's our, that's our number one pick. If we were to, uh, yeah. drafting years of, of video games though, Ben, yeah. why don't you take one of my favorite games ever and tell us about day of the tentacle? Oh my gosh. So we, there's a few of these games that we have full episodes on. I think this is our second or third I think we did Maniac Mansion as our first episode, and then Day of the Tentacle, the sequel to Maniac Mansion, which is Ron Gilbert's um, sequel, which he he gave the reins over to Tim Schafer and Dave Grossman to kind of take this game on. And uh, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because we have done that many, many times in this podcast before. (laughs) But it's just a uh, a comedic and puzzle masterpiece. It's... It's one of those games, Jason, I think you, I always forget, I always mess up the quote, but it's something like you don't know where your sense of humor came from. If it Exactly. Do I do I like these games because I was born <laughs> with a sense of humor or did these games make my sense of humor? But it's like, yeah. it's exactly my sense of humor. Yeah. Did I play this game with you? I'm sure you did. I think we had you and Kristen play the first like hour of it. Yeah. Okay. Because I was like, I remember this conversation. Yeah. That's probably why. Yeah. We probably yeah. also have the same conversation about all of these old games because I'm a monster. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. It's a valid We're point. also old and forgetful. Uh, yeah. But also, they remastered this game, I think, right when we played it four yeah. years ago. And so, if you haven't played this game and you just want to know what Momf is all about, I would say this game probably personifies that if it was a person more so <laughs> than any other person game that we've played. Next game. I believe it's on Switch and Xbox Game Pass. Like, is it? It's, okay, I'm going to buy it on Switch. Oh, um, I need it to be closer to me. Yes, get, it will get be on Switch. Perfect. I feel like that'd be really fun on Switch, actually. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So in line with that, uh, Sam and Max also came out that year. Yes. Uh, another very influential game on my humor. Uh, the art and uh, writing of Steve Purcell. Uh, beautiful, amazing game. And just to continue the LucasArts thread, because we are a LucasArts podcast, or we were at one point, um, mm-hmm. Zombies ate my neighbors. This should have been first this for Jason been. and I, right? Now, now why? Because <laughs> I think you're right. Nice, good. What's what's the opposite of a segue when you're just leading into the same thing you're already talking about? This, <laughs> Ben. It's this. What you just did. That's the opposite of a segue. Is it a rejoinder? <laughs> what's the opposite of ellipsis? A comma. <laughs> so the the reason we want to talk about Zombies Ate My Neighbors is because uh, we tested it. Uh, we went to LucasArts and got to test it. Listen and it to our, passed. Our episode on a it plus. if you want to hear about our adventures in QA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other adventure games that came out in 1993. Gabriel That's Knight. That's all we're going to talk about. That's so cool. You're going so fast now. It's too fast now. <laughs> if you keep stopping me, I won't be going so fast. You're right. You're right. Keep going. Gabriel Knight. Tell me about. Gabriel Knight, uh, another very, very influential uh, adventure game from the time that we will someday cover. Betrayal at Crondor, a very cool RPG that came out yeah, around the same year. Also in 1993, like everything else. And Police Quest Open Season. And I want to take a moment to talk about Open Season. Yeah. So uh, Police Quest was a series of games from Sierra. Uh, Sierra also did Space Quest and uh, King's Quest, which was much more well-known. These great um, 
at one point typing adventures and then uh, point and click adventures that uh, were infamous for things like you would you could get a game over by like failing to write up a citation correctly in the first oh police quest, gosh. like not filling out the paperwork right. And it was like the fundamentals of good police work is filling out paperwork, son. Uh, it was awful. Um, this is like uh, King's Quest then. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Is exactly right? it's like, like oh, King, you yes. you touched a piece of glass. You're dead. Start your adventure over. Like like King's Quest, but more boring. Wow. It, at least that way you died. More right? bureaucracy. Uh, this yeah. way, yeah. It's, it's just like, well, you didn't write the ticket right. Video games used to be homework. Yes. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> they took a leap with Open Season. Uh, open Season, they uh, actually had a um, spokesperson for. Uh, so most police quests, it was just, you know, Hey, police quest. Cool. Uh, open season was this huge jump. It wasn't police quest two. It wasn't police quest three. It was this next thing after the series. And their spokesperson was Daryl Gates. You may remember that name as the, uh, chief of the Los Angeles police department during, uh, the Rodney King beating and the, uh, eventual riots thereafter. Oh, yikes. Police quest open season was his open letter to all of America to tell them that uh, they were a bunch of lawless, um, horrible people who needed to be brutalized by police. And you, player, would get to take on the role of that police officer. This game looks awesome. It is <laughs> horrific. No, are you oh, kidding me? No. You look yeah. at, the, at the... This game looks so cool. Yeah. Oh, Ben. Yeah. And, and you that's looked at the how graphics? they get you. Yeah. No, I yeah. don't know. No, it was... It oh was my the fourth gosh. In the police quest series. It was very new. It was very cool. Much it it went from the you can't fill out a ticket right to look at all the blood when you shoot this person. Ugh. Also, it's a Sierra game. It's literally going off of the King's Quest line of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was literally oh, wow. Daryl Gates, Dude. one of the most like fascist police in the country, got to design a video game. That's terrible. But it the graphics are really cool weird. for 1993. Are, uh, yeah, for 1993, this actually is pretty impressive. This is sweet. Mm-hmm. But this is also clearly horrifying. I'm down to believe whatever this game tells me is important <laughs> in life. Anyway, we're going to link to an article about it. Don't listen to Ben's endorsement. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Also, out an adventure that year, we're uh, returned to Zork, in which we returned to Zork, and uh, Shadowrun, <laughs> which we don't even have any time to cover, but cool, awesome game. Ben, you want to run down the list of Star Wars games that came out in 1993 alone? Star Wars Arcade. Yeah, that's what it was called. Yep. Star Wars Chess. I played that. We owned that. Not Hollow Chess. Not Hollow Chess, though. Star Wars Chess. Okay. And then Star Wars Rebel Assault, another one in which there is a full month episode. Actually, more of a half episode, because I think we did Rebel Assault 1 and 2 in one episode, because they were rough. Uh, But there's also... Uh, Super Star Wars, continuing the great line of Super Star Wars games. Super Star Wars Empire Strikes Back is the one that came out in 93. Uh, I remember Super Star Wars, the previous one that came out in, I think, 92. And then Return of the, Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi came out the following year. Uh, and these games were so hard. I think I'm going to say that about most of these games in 1993. <laughs> Probably half because I was seven, but half because games were just really hard and just kind of unforgiving back then. But yeah, we, Jason and I played a lot of Super Star Wars, and I remember Hoth, Tatooine, all of just like the side-scrolling platformers. I remember shooting a gun as Chewie, and, or the bowcaster, I guess, my lightsaber as Luke, flipping around all over the place. I remember the God Mode. Yeah. It was one of those God Modes that your friend, Galen Woodruff, gave us. It was one of those, like, pass through the grapevine if you hit this 
20 button combination it up, really down, is. left, right, all over crazy. You try it 30 times, you swear it doesn't work and it's just a lie. <laughs> and then finally, three days later, it works once and you can never get it to work again. But God mode was amazing because this was a super hard game. But uh, yeah, that's that's when I started quoting Utini, I think all the time. I just because I never got past the stupid Tatooine level of the first game. But yeah, very influential game on on my life because I got to play as Luke Skywalker, not just watch him on my, my tiny little TV. Let me give you the uh, the code real quick to get to debug mode. Okay, well, it should be like three buttons. <laughs> Tell me. A A A A X B B B B Y X X X X A Y Y Y Y B. That is that is diabolical. Horrible. If done right, yeah. a sound will be heard. Yeah. Then, while playing, press the following button combinations no. to unlock on. codes. Oh my gosh! That just gets you to be able to unlock the codes. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that's rough. I don't understand you in these Star Wars games. They sound miserable. Yeah, they, they were awful. But it was it was a cool <laughs> platformer. Yeah, it was. Like yeah. there were so many different platformers back then. One that was like, oh, this is set in a thing that I already love in Star Wars, which right. amped up a, a game that would have been kind of not amazing if it wasn't Star Wars. Basically, sure. kind of like kind of like the last three Star Wars films. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah. You know what I was thinking about today? Tell me, Babu Frick. He's so good. He doesn't exist. Like he's not part of culture. And that shocks me. I I left that movie. He was in the new Star Wars. He was the The most recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the only only good thing about that movie. And I walked out and I was like, you know what? Like I kind of hated the movie, but ah, Bobby Frick. And that's going to be a thing now. And it's not a thing. Yeah. The right. way in which it wasn't is like, wow, that was. Yeah. Considering I don't even know what that is. No, I mean, nobody okay. cared about that movie. Wow. Okay. I have seen that thing at, um, uh, at Star Wars land at Disneyland. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> I hate you cause I'm jealous. <laughs> that's fair. Let's talk about fighting games, fighting games. And Ben, yeah. You get to wait while Corey talks about Mortal Kombat. Do it. Mortal Kombat! I feel like you're not... Wait, okay, there we go. Dang. We're dancing. We're dancing. Right, I'm cool. nodding. <laughs> the video is behind sometimes. That's how I, that's how I dance, okay. to be fair. And I just want to, like, preface that all of my reasons for why I love things are not, like, cool gamer reasons. They're very Corey reasons for why I love them. Corey, you're a hardcore gamer. I'm a hardcore gamer. Hardcore. Listen, I've been adding people as friends on Switch, and I do play a lot more games than most people that I know. It's so hard to add people as friends on Switch, dude. <laughs> it's like a Super Star Wars code, am I it right, guys? <laughs> it is kind X, of like X, Y, double like X, colon, N, four, seven. It's, a, it's a, like a whole ATM card code. Right? It's a little much. Um, but you can add people through Facebook. That's how I added Jason the other day. I don't have uh, the Facebook. Oh, okay. Well, anyways... Um, so Mortal Kombat is the game that we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And Mortal Kombat, I feel like, is one of the most, like, ubiquitous games mm. ever that uh, maybe partially because the game started, you know, in the arcade and then was on everything from that point forward. So you either went down the street to, like, the pizza parlor or the arcade or whatever, and you went and played it there. Or you had it in your home, on your Game Boy, on your whatever, you could play this game. So it was kind of everywhere. And I feel like it saturated our culture in a lot of ways. Like, I feel like today, if I were in a group of people, I could go, Toasty! And everyone would know what I was referencing. Like, it's still 
We all knew yeah. what it was. We knew these fatalities, all of this kind or of stuff. Or just saying finish him. Yeah, right. finish That's him. Easy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. All of this stuff. Yeah, fatality. Yeah. Just entered the lexicon. And one of the reasons I liked this game is because I stood a chance button mashing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's all these different combinations and stuff that people are doing. And I loved when someone was trying to, like, work out these amazing combinations and they were going to do all this crazy stuff to me. And I'm like, smash, 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 smash. And then I beat them. <laughs> and it was yeah. like you had you had a shot. Like, yes, you could be very good at the game, but also you kind of had a shot no matter who you were. Yeah. And the characters are so iconic in it. Like, who were who did you guys like to play in Mortal Kombat? Baraka. Yes. Yeah. Baraka was my number one. Yeah, Baraka was dope. Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage. That was my guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love Baraka. I love Jax with the metal arms. Yes. Uh, you know, um, what was the was his name? Smoke, the one that like Yes, Smoke. Oh. Yeah. And he could like teleport, uh -huh. which was nice because I just was scared of getting hit by people. Yeah. Uh I, I like Ra Raiden looked the coolest, I thought. Oh yeah. Raiden was Sub Zero. Sub is cooler. Yeah. Sub -Zero and that, I always better. feel like Sub Zero is the yeah. character. Oh, yeah. 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 Everybody loves Sub Zero. People still dress as Sub Zero and mm -hmm. Scorpion for sure. Halloween. So it's just this was a big pop culture thing. And they keep making this game, too. Yeah. Although it's extremely violent now. I played against yeah. some friends when they came out with the new one like five years ago. And I was like, honestly, it's a little too gory. It's a bit me. much. Which, it's a bit much. Mortal Kombat 2, it is which gory. came out in 93, was, I, couldn't, I wasn't allowed to play it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like pulling heads off with spines coming out of them yeah. and stuff like which that. Is, yeah, well, now we look back and it's comedically, I mean, it just looks like a cartoon and it's all pixely. Yeah. But back then it was like banned and like, it was a big yeah. deal. It was controversial. <laughs> and thank goodness it was in the arcade where you could yeah, sneak playing exactly. it when you yeah. couldn't have it at home. Uh, it was always gory. Yeah. But it's just like a little too realistic at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But I think that's my argument for Mortal Kombat. Nice. Ultimately. Uh, by the way, Cor, my uh, Switch um, member ID number friend thing is NCC1701, so just hit me up on that. <laughs> I thought that that was the beginning of yours for real, and I was like, are you serious right now? That was, that was <laughs> like, a joke that only Corey got, Ben. I didn't get it. I know that much. <laughs> I wanted her to feel like a nerd. Thank you. Mine's IDSPIPSOCD, or whatever you said earlier. Yeah, good one. Good one. <laughs> I D P I S S P P I S P P O C D. Yep. Nailed it. Um, um, oh, let's take yeah. it next to street fighter two. Is that okay? Boom. Because I think that these are the two most iconic fighting games and yeah. they came out around the same time. And this, this 1993 is the celebration of the second in those iterations. And it's, even though it's the second, it's the sequel to the original games, versions of those games. These ones are the most iconic mortal Kombat two and street fighter two. Uh, which also Street Fighter 2 Turbo Hyper Fighting and Street Fighter 2 The World Warrior also came out in 93 because Street Fighter is constantly making sequels to its own games. I think there's like nine Street Fighter 2s. That's probably an understatement. <laughs> but there are so many, so many Street Fighter games. And I think my whole life I've thought, oh, Street Fighter is superior to Mortal Kombat for whatever BS reasons because there's different, they're different and that's fine. But I think the reason I think that is because I wasn't allowed to play Mortal Kombat and we didn't have... Sega Genesis. Yeah. So I think those were the two I just didn't know about. It. I was like, no, that's stupid. It's for losers. Street Fighter's better. I didn't, they're probably the same thing. I don't know. 
I kind of wanted to ask that because I was very much a Mortal Kombat person and yeah. I've never been into Street Fighter. Although uh, I will say the brilliant thing about Street Fighter is that that movie that yeah. was like classically panned and was like terrible that Raul Julia managed to be like critically acclaimed for his role in it, yeah. which I just think is fascinating. Yes. Uh, but I was never as into Street Fighter. Like, I think I couldn't name a character off the top of my head, but if you said one, oh, well. I knew I'd know who they are. Ryu, Ken, those are the two kind of main two people. M. Bison's the main baddie. I mean, there's Guy. Is that who some... Raul Julia was? M. Bison? Yeah. M. Bison. Yeah. 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 Gosh, he has so one of the best lines in that movie. The first Street Fighter, you can only play as eight players, and then the second one came out. This is the one that I played. Jason, you can say your line. Sorry. No, you go. <laughs> I'll come back to it. The second one came out with four new players. T-Hawk. Oh, yeah. Fei yeah. Long, which is just crazy. DJ. Yep. And Cammy. Oh, my. This game was Cammie. insane. Love. Just Cammy was just like the female version of Guile. I think they had the same exact moves. But. Such a crush on her. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I think I put the most time into this game as a kid. Uh, second to NBA Jam, which we'll get to. But this is mm. up there for a game that I just talking about replayability. Street Fighter yeah. 2. I played so much at home. My tiny, like, I think I had like a 10 inch TV in my room. They probably weighed yeah. like 50 pounds, but I hooked up the SNES to that and just played it all the time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's also just kind of the thing about like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and those games in general is that then you had other games that came out again afterwards that were so influenced. Like I loved yeah. Soul Blade and Soul Calibur, and those are just like better graphics, Mortal Kombat totally. and Street Fighter. And so the type of game that is, this is this was our gateway drug into all of those other games like that that you can play forever because you you don't have like a goal that you beat per se once you beat the game and beat like your big bad at the top you just play it again yeah. and you might get your ass kicked next time who knows yeah uh that's the fun of it yeah you beat the whole game in an hour or two basically and you right. go through all the storylines which is like 30 second cutscenes at the beginning and end of each fight right a very loose storyline yeah but then also virtual fighter came out speaking of games that were influenced by street fighter and mortal kombat Virtual Fighter came. It was like the the cooler. I don't even know if it was better graphics, but it was 3D graphics. You could move. I guess rather than left and right, you could move forward and backwards in the screen. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely a game I poured lots of money into in the arcade. Hey, what was that M Bison line? So M Bison is like uh, this uh, crazy despot. Uh, he's kind of like looks like a Maoist general or something. Yeah. And uh, Raul Julia plays him in the movie. And he's just gone around like destroyed all these places. And uh, Chun Li, uh, the character, is going to I know that one. Yeah, she's going to finally get revenge by taking on M Bison. And she tells the story. She goes, "I I remember you. You came to my village and you destroyed us. And you killed my mother and you killed my father and you looked at my father and you saw in his eye, you know this detailed story. And there's this pause. And then Raul Julia, who even in this role is just brilliant and amazing, looks at her blankly and goes, "I'm sorry. I don't remember any of that." She says, you don't remember? And he says, for you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day in your life. For me, it was a Tuesday. That's good. Is that the origin of, like, it was a Tuesday? Yeah. Dude. So far as I know, yeah. I Like, it's killer. No way, dude. Raul Julia, And he died man. during filming. And a bunch of the footage was just CGI, his head on someone else's body. And at the time, we thought it worked really well. <laughs> I haven't looked back at it, so I don't know whether it did or not, but... Let's pretend it did. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it looked great. Ming-Na Wen plays Chung-Li in the wow. movie. I did not realize that. The voice wow. of Mulan and also Mei from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she's probably done other things as well. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, what I know still. her from. I think those are pretty good. Those examples. are pretty good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, she's also in the Mandalorian. Come on. Oh, she's the yeah. sniper. That, like, oh the my story gosh. Just she got ends. done dirty. She got done dirty in the right? Mandalorian. I wanted more of her. Yeah. Um, all right. Other great fighting games because uh, it was a great year in fighting games. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Tournament Fighters. Tournament Fighters. Uh, WWF <laughs> Royal Rumble. A very important important entry, and of course, Eternal Champions. Uh, and if you've never heard of Eternal Champions, let me highly recommend the How Did This Get Played podcast on Eternal Champions. It was aiming to say, okay, Mortal Kombat, I see you being violent, and I'm going to take it to the next level. It was goofy, and it was wild, and it was really interesting and weird. So after uh, fighting games, let's move on to uh, just a bunch of other kinds of games that came out. Uh, for example, Ben... You chose to talk about Jurassic Park. I did. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot and say, which version? Oh, now, I, I looked it up, right? Because there's okay. there are a lot. Yeah. And there, there are I a lot in 1993. I don't know if any of them are amazing, but this <laughs> is definitely the one I played the most. And it's, you know, a game is probably not going to be amazing if it came out the same exact time as the movie. Yeah, just blatant cash grab. Right, exactly. <laughs> Kids will buy anything these days. Uh, and we did. So, uh, unlike John Hammond, uh, expenses were spared in the making of this game. And well I just remember running around the park with this like top-down view uh, with a cattle prod in my hand and then getting lit up by herds of gala... Gala Mimes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, the game was really hard. It was so, yeah. I don't know if this was necessarily like on the list to make this, you know, to like to add luster and add rationale to why this is the greatest year ever, but this is just a game I had to mention because I, for, even though it was impossibly hard, I only remember the first level. I still put a lot of time into this as a kid. I forgot this existed, and now that I'm looking at pictures, I'm like, yeah. Yeah. No, I remember playing this, yeah. too. Was it the Genesis one or the Super Nintendo? I think the Super Nintendo one, because that's what we had. Yeah, it looks like it's NES. I also played the the Genesis one, which was a completely different game. Yeah, sorry. Oh. The Genesis one was a platformer. Yeah, that looks so much cooler. It's really good. I think we rented that once. Oh, I, I've played that, too. Because it does look... And it has, like, the... What's it called? The live-action-looking animation? Yes. <laughs> yes, I know what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this. I'm just looking at all these now. There was a Super Nintendo one, and there was also a Nintendo one. I think I was just looking at the NES one. I think that's the one that I played. Yeah, which I definitely played as well. Yep. But the Super Nintendo one is the one that I put the most time into, and I do remember the Genesis one. I think we played that at a friend's. <laughs> that's always the case. It's just if a friend has it, you just do whatever you can to go over to that friend's house exactly. and play. Exactly. And y'all, we're not even talking about the PC version, the uh, Game Gear version, the Master System version, or the two 1994 games that came out based on Oh my on. gosh, so <laughs> many games. <laughs> That's bananas. I guess this is what you were talking about in the beginning of the cast, Jay, about the fact that like actually game developing was just like bah, 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 yes. at this point. Got 50 grand in four months? Here's a team of five people. They'll put that game together for you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And sometimes even smaller teams, like one of my favorite little shareware games, Scorched Earth. Do either of you remember Scorched Earth at all? No. That name sounds familiar. Tell me about it, Jay. Scorched Earth uh, was kind of like, uh, did you play Gorillas? Uh, the one where you're the gorillas throwing bombs at each other? It was on like oh, every yeah. computer ever. Yeah. <laughs> it's like tanks, that kind, of that, that kind of thing? It was that with tanks, yeah. yeah Scorched okay. Earth was, was the exact same gaming system, both tanks. Ben, you and I played an, uh, an iOS version of it at one point that yeah. we really liked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
but this was shareware. It pocket was, tanks. Yeah, pocket tanks. This was yep. so Scorched Earth was incredibly customizable. It had like oh my guess, gosh, we played this game so much. Yeah, we installed it on every machine in our school. <laughs> yes, yeah, we did. Great. And at the Ma or the Carriers, we played this. The yes. Mars, we played this at yes. the. Oh my! All of our friends, we played this. And it's it's a bit of a cheat because the first Scorched Earth came out, I believe, in '91, and there were Scorched Earths coming out until at least like 1997. Um, but a version did come out that year, and I believe it's pretty close to the version I played. But yeah, this game was so important to my wow. uh, particularly high school years. Um, huh. Yeah. Yeah, I I do remember this, and I think I loved every iteration of even that kind of game. Yeah. Like that's it's just a fun concept that like getting the trajectory right to to hit something. And I mean, as someone who's terrible at, ge at geometry, I don't know why I found it so fun, but it's a, that was a fun game. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Pocket tanks is, is like that with better graphics and better engine and all that pocket tanks is really fun. I remember playing Mobile stuff game. like this on like the Apple two E. So I only remember like crappy graphics versions yeah, of for this sure. stuff. Really simple. Yeah. 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 Google Skyroads get another blast from the past. Cause it's another shareware. Uh, we all just played it on the machines. Uh, this was seventh grade for me, I think. Eighth oh grade. Oh my gosh, this yeah. game. Yeah. Jumping over the holes in the ground in space. Yep. It was wow. a, a, like a racing game, but it was more about just surviving the level rather than being fast. Because I think that there was there was no go button. It was just always going. You were just. It's just like DDR <laughs> with a with a spaceship. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. Look, I mean, it looks like Guitar Hero. Yeah, that's, that's what probably more accurate. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it absolutely looks like Guitar Hero. So that's kind of that's interesting. I don't think I ever played that. Oh my gosh, we played this so much. Where did we so play this? Much school. School. Okay, yeah. I mean, we probably had it at home too, uh, but I remember playing that a lot at school. That's uh, the other thing. It was friends' houses, and then school always had cool. games. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. be like, go out to recess or sit inside and play games. I don't. I don't know. Or like, I would sit in my fourth grade classroom just like after school for twenty minutes playing a game until Mr. Ward was like, "Okay, time to walk home." Totally. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Corey, would you mind blasting some math for us? Gross. I don't. I don't know anything about this. Remember, I told you I thought it was a different game. Uh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Do we know what Math Blaster is? Because it sounds like a game you play at school. Also. Yeah, it it looked like it, but I did not recognize it at all. I watched a little bit of it on YouTube and was like, uh, hey, Math Blaster came out that year, too. Uh, as did, you know, what? I'm just going to throw off a bunch uh, and yeah, we'll see what it. happens. Jungle Strike. Gosh, I loved all those strike games. Um, they were awesome. You controlled a helicopter. Helicopters are cool. Uh, Sonic Spinball. <laughs> the best part of Sonic was spinning and... Um, Oh, pinball so levels so why not just make a whole game of it yeah. i have so have many memories cover. of commercials for that and i never got to play it and so just seeing it on there activated this longing that i had you know in 1993 to play that game yes and i've still never played it this is definitely one of those i played at the dentist's office oh. or i played it like a friend's house but our dentist's office in i think was fancy dentist it was a really fancy dentist's office in uh corta madera california oh yeah i was gonna say when i moved to marin everyone was like Oh, my dentist has like this in their office. I'm like, yeah, my dentist doesn't use gloves. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Yikes. It played no games. No games except avoid hepatitis in <laughs> my dentist office. Then there's a bunch of uh, flight sims. So uh, let me go through those quick. There's the space one with Wing Commander. None of these flight sims, by the way, are normal flight sims. Wing Commander Privateer. Um, so you're in space. Microcosm. 
Do either of you remember Microcosm? Uh, slow down when you say it because I'm looking. I know. It up. Like, I want to. I want to say Google. stuff about this. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but as soon as I realize, I'm like, yeah, I'm, and then you're on to the next game. Sorry. Wait. What well, was I, the? I figured we'd skip Wing Commander Privateer. What was the second one you said? Microcosm. I don't remember this at all. It looks okay. cool. Ooh. Yeah, it was awesome. We had it, and it would barely run on our machine. You controlled like a spaceship, except it was microscopic, and you were inside someone's body shooting but like. Oh, is that a colon? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It had a dope <laughs> soundtrack. Man, I remember that game. That was great. Oh, dude, the soundtrack this... is really good. I'm listening to it. Did you... Yeah. Wait, in this... Oh, my God, wait. Did you, like, kill off germs and viruses and stuff like that in this? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Oh God, where, where are they now, right? Oh. <laughs> uh, no, I very much remember this. Oh, oh wow. my gosh. I totally forgot about this game, and I absolutely loved it. Everything yeah. looks like a colon, right? Yes. Are you guys yeah, watching I think that's the here? case. Yeah, it's it, there. Maybe is like an esophagus. I don't know. Who knows? But yes, I definitely very much remember this game. When, when all you got is an enema, everything looks like a colon. You're right, Ben. As the adage goes. Gross. <laughs> ben, take us to a different kind of flight sim. Take us far One away. One with no from enemas me. in it, preferably. Oh my gosh! So I. Definitely remember Star Fox 64 better than the original Star Fox because I was 11 or 12 when it came out and I just had more ability to play the game. But as soon as it came out, I remember be doing like the hipster thing and be like, oh yeah, Star Fox 64, like the original one that I played so much that I think we like rented a couple times. But still, it's a fox in space. That's cool. And I just remember playing it a bunch. Super uh, easy to play. Uh, as opposed to a lot of those strike games and games that were kind of unforgiving, this one was definitely much more forgiving. I don't know if it was just like things didn't kill you right away or you just had more lives, but I remember for seven, eight, nine-year-old Ben, it being uh, a lot of fun, which means it was not difficult. Yeah, and I'm the exact opposite. I genuinely remember playing this and not 64. Oh, this was go. like the one that I that I always played. Largely, a theme that I kept finding looking at this stuff was that my brother had the consoles for everything and I didn't. Oh, and so yeah. I only ever played the computer versions of stuff because I had no access to anything. So stuff like that that I could like access on other things or on the Nintendo while he was playing Sega or something yeah. like that. Like so Star Fox was older. He was over it. He had moved on to another gaming right. thing. So I'm like, oh, I can commandeer the Nintendo and play a little Star Fox. So, yeah, I love that game, though. That was a that was a classic. And 64 is probably more iconic, though, realistically. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, do, do a barrel roll. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> exactly. You can even can't you type that into Google and it like does something weird to the Google does it? like homepage or something. Oh my gosh, it does. Whoa. Ha! Whoa. Hey the Look whole at me. page no does a things. barrel roll. That's insane. Even <laughs> just the Chrome uh, URL bar, it'll do it. Uh, That's amazing. That was fun. Thanks for that. Everyone do that at home. Ooh, look at that That's go. Great. You're welcome. That's wow. That was That's awesome. Pretty, That's pretty fun. I feel time to get really it. chuffed that I just showed you guys something. Let me tell you. That's E-D-S-P-I-S-P-O-D, right? Do you need an ointment or something? Right. Chuffed, chuffed. Yeah, no, I don't want to hear it anymore. Just was tigers do? Go the other room. It'll be fun. Don't they chuff? All right, here we go. What do we got next, Jay? 
<laughs> Next up is platformers as a concept. Mm, yes. No, uh, here's a big old list of platformers. I'm going to kick it off with Battletoads. Uh, that game was the toughest game ever. Right? It was so tough. But we rented it so much. So much. And you could never beat it. Why did we rent it? And also Battletoads versus Double Dragon, which made no sense, but was also cool and fun. Uh, so we've got a big old list of platformers there. Anybody else want to just jump in on that list? I thought I would remember Cliffhanger. I'm not remembering this at all. I do. Oh my gosh, I remember the first level and jumping over those boulders. This looks so hard. All games were hard back then. <laughs> so all these games are so hard. So they had to occupy us for like long periods of time. Oh, I definitely remember Cliffhanger by a long well, shot. But and it was, it was so you would see, buy the game instead of just renting it. Yeah. was the reason that they made them hard. I wonder if that's why I love Red Dead Redemption 2 so much. And in the first one, but... Because everyone's like, oh, it's so slow and there's no fast travel and everything takes forever and you watch your eyes blink and your sweat and whatever it is. <laughs> I think because I didn't have the ability to play these really, really hard games that now I'm like relishing in the fact that I can just like mm. sit yeah. with these games that aren't hard. They just take patience. They just take having no life. But I didn't have the skill <laughs> to put in the time and, and like get these hard games done. Uh, anyway, yeah. I can see how that would be rewarding. Yeah, it is. I vaguely remember Toe Jam and Earl, although I don't know sure. if I remember Panic of Funkatron specifically. It was the sequel. Yeah. Um, it was a platformer instead of the roguelike uh, of the original. Yeah. And yes, Ben, Toe Jam and Earl is a roguelike. So sue me. Oh, it is? Yeah. I didn't realize that. Claws Encounters. I just, there's so many of these games that I'm just, I'm just remembering the cover art from seeing them at, at uh, Video Droid or... Right. Uh, Electronics Boutique or whatever. But I don't think, like Bubsy Claws, I just remember the cover art. I don't think I actually played it, but it's basically like a 2D platforming Crash Bandicoot. I totally remember it. It was awesome. It's probably the same exact plot, but you remember it? Okay, Jason remembers it. I don't know. Yeah, there were there were aliens. That was why it was called Claws Encounters of the of the furred kind. Oh, of course. Of course. There's a cow. Wow. Uh, X-Men, we definitely played this. This is the Genesis one. Yeah. I think we rented oh, yeah. a Sega Genesis a couple times. We rented the whole system like once a year, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Or we borrowed it from a friend or something? <laughs> we totally did. Because I definitely remember this game, and it was only for Genesis. So, um, But yeah, I, we, I remember you would play, or you and Michael Conrad would play it, and then I would play it when you guys were like done with it or whatever. It's kind of like Corey. It's like, I'll play the dregs yeah. of the video game time. <laughs> That's pretty much my experience of it as well, playing it in off times. But this game, uh, other than the um, X-Men versus Capcom, like Street Fighter yeah. 1 yeah. version of X-Men, this is my most memorable X-Men game ever. Uh, and I remember playing as Nightcrawler where you could kind of like transport all around, around, zipping all over the place while you or Michael Conrad would play as Wolverine and just never die because of his healing factor. I was always Wolverine and... Conrad was always Cyclops. <laughs> oh, really? Jeez. Dude, uh, you're right, Ben. That's exactly what we did. The fact that it was X-Men, and you guys were so into comics and brought me into that world, yeah. made, took the, it kind of like, because it was so difficult, the fact that it was about X-Men made us like overcome the fact that it was so difficult, because it didn't really matter if we played past the first level. I remember getting really far. Oh, maybe you did. Do you think we beat that game? Dude, you probably did. I don't know. I, I remember, I don't think I beat any of these games. I remember watching you play most of these games, and then playing the first <laughs> level a million times by myself. I remember finding Mojo. I'm just going to have to look up the walkthrough and see where that is. A few, or when I was prepping for this, I was like, oh yeah, I remember those first two levels. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Story of my life. Yeah. I remember the menu. Cool music. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to keep moving on or you want to say something? Uh, it's very real for me. Uh, yeah, keep moving. Uh, go to Kirby. Yeah, Kirby's. I definitely remember Kirby's Adventure. Uh, he's a Nintendo character, so he's on the SNES. Uh, and I think I played it more on Game Boy. Kirby's Adventure, just like going around, sucking people up, spitting out their innards. It was like a <laughs> cool, less talky Mario, basically, 
Uh, and he just seemed like he was more powerful and um, just kind of lovable. He was kind of like a Pokemon before Pokemon. And I think we should point out that what system was this on, Ben? It was, I think it was SNES, wasn't it? Kirby's Adventure? No, this was NES. Oh, was it? Oh, we had both. It was one of the last games released for the NES. Hmm. Uh, oh, but wow. But they did amazing work go. with Thank the graphics you. to make it, it looks, it looks Super Nintendo. Like, it looks really good. Yeah, for sure. For an NES game. It's colored really well. Um, I th- cool spot. I definitely remember the cover art. I think I get it confused with the Noid. Like avoid the Noid. Like was he was he a pizza mascot also? He definitely had a game too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like wasn't he Domino's? Cool spot was Seven Up. Seven Up. Okay, so they're both mascots. That's why I'm getting it confused. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was there was a video game, probably a whole series of video games, and probably like comics and shirts and stuff too, about the mascot of a lesser known. Soda? It wasn't even like the flagship soda? <laughs> yep. No, and, and that's just that, but it was a random graphic design decision in the logo right. of there was a red spot <laughs> in 7 Up. It was the pop of color. They then in the, in the 90s tried to make cool, and they couldn't get more creative than naming it Cool Spot and just yeah. putting sunglasses on it and having it run around and do things. Yeah. Like ride a skateboard. It's kind of like the, the time that our, our friend named a song The New Bounce because that's what it automatically exports to in uh, Pro Tools. The New Bounce. <laughs> He's just kind of like, that's what. Uh. And that's what it ended up on the album. Also, wasn't that later. Guybrush Threepwood the name oh, too? Yeah. Good call. Great pull core. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's just kind of like, that's yeah, cool spot. We'll come up with a name later. Boom. And then they didn't. All right, at what point are we are we hurting our case for year of the game? <laughs> we're just like <laughs> I kind of remember that, but that looks really hard, and I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, well, that's why we're we're you know they can't all be winners. It's comprehensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. we're just naming the other things that came out. Uh, I do want to say something that you may feel free to cut this, Ben. But we mentioned the Noid, okay. and whenever the Noid comes up, I feel like I have to share this. So the Noid, you may remember, also had a video game that was from uh, 1989 called Avoid the Noid. What you may Did not he? remember, Kenneth Lamar Noid, who in 1989 entered a Domino's restaurant in Chambly, Georgia with a 357 Magnum and held two employees hostage over five hours because he thought that the Noid was a direct attack on him because his last name was Noid. This is so this is the Pizzagate of 1989. So if you ever wonder if you ever wonder why they got away from that advertising campaign, the answer is. Because some guy took their employees hostage. Wow. Wow. It's an unceremonious end to the Noid. I know. It's too bad. Some guy in the marketing firm actually went to high school with the, with John P. Noid or whatever that guy's name right. is. And was like, I, thought, <laughs> I hated this guy. Okay. <laughs> John P. Noid. The idea was that if your pizza got there late and cold, you would be annoyed. No! And see, oh. yeah, yeah. Is your mind blown? <laughs> oh my gosh. So much of my childhood. It just like all yeah. made sense. It's all coming in. Why was he so much of my childhood? I feel like we're doing therapy, but only video game related. We were a round table family. Why did it even matter to me? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, ben, I will tell you that we had Domino's pizza the night that our parents told us they were getting divorced. If you want to just continue processing. I remember that. I do remember that. And that's why I tried to avoid it. Just Let's just process. Yeah. yeah process good call. But yeah. That's it, what he thought it referenced. Avoid your parents it, splitting up. It did leave me very... Uh, annoyed. annoyed. <laughs> I'm very annoyed at my broken uh, home. Broken home. <laughs> oh, dark. Good times. Um, 
Also about that year, Mario is missing in Sink or Swim. Yep, there we Ta-da! go. We did it. We're doing uh, it. Some great JRPGs came out that year. I'm going to try to sneak in Shin Megami Tensei 1 because uh, even though it came out in 1992, it was also released for the PC Engine in 1993. Uh-huh. Also known as the TurboGrafx-16. Uh, and spawned an entire multiple series of games, including the Persona series, which uh, is having its sequel to a fifth sequel in a sub Anyway, uh, Persona 5 Royal comes out next week, and it looks cool. There was uh, Secret of Mana, Illusion of Gaia, Breath of Fire, lots of ofs, Lufia Fortress of Doom, see? Ofs. Yeah. And a little game called Ihitavo Monogatari, which I've got to bring up just because no one will ever talk about it if I don't. That's true. Um, Very good point. Yeah. So, Ihitavo Monogatari is a role-playing game in which there is no combat system. You just go around and talk to people. And you kind of solve puzzles, but they're not really all that puzzly. Um, it's just kind of a, a fun world to exist in, and you, you sort things out, and some people are fighting, and you, you say, hey, quit that. Like, maybe think about other people. <laughs> and it's all based wow. around uh, this uh, Japanese writer. That sounds terrible. Let's let's note Ben's response to this versus police brutality. The game. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> true. Uh, it's it's all based around uh, a Japanese author who's basically um, they're uh, Hans Christian Andersen, but with more of like uh, maybe a cult. Anyway, uh, Kenji Miyazawa, and it gets weirder than that because all of the stories in there are like kind of inspired by him and influenced by him, but he's also a character in the game. And the quest is to go and find him. But he's always off helping people, so you can't ever find him. Anyway, I just played through it a couple weeks ago. It was awesome. I really enjoyed this game. Interesting. There's this elephant at one point that you help who is like, um, he just wants to help out. And so you bring him over to the rich guy uh, who has a field, and he he's like, hey, can I'm a big elephant. Could I, like, stomp your grain and stuff and, like, help out and do this? And the rich guy's like, yeah, sure. And then pretty soon he cages the elephant and, like, won't let him out. Mm. And he's like, haha, thank you so much. Here's the money. And you're like, no, I don't want money. Why did you cage that elephant? I thought you just wanted help with your crops. What's what's going on? And so then you got to find his elephant buddies to help him out. And then they come over and murder the guy. Oh, jeez. Yeah, get him, elephant. It's a good game. <laughs> it looks it's a like a good game. It looks like they. Uh, I'm, I'm watching some of the um, playthrough right now, and it looks like they got a lot of their art direction from uh, Golf Story. Yes, yes, very much. Uh, so I mean, I don't think those Golf Story guys get a lot of uh, getting the credit they're due. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. I'm, I'm doing a joke here. I see it. I see it happening, and I love okay, it. Okay, cool. Um, Thank you. There's there's two information desks you can go to in town, because, again, there's no, like, it's not real clear what you're supposed to do. You just kind of walk around and talk to people. Uh, but if you go to the the town hall, um, the the guy there will be like, hello, hey, yeah, I know some stuff. I, I can help you out. Maybe uh, maybe go over to that, that guy with the elephant problem, mm-hmm. and then you have a whole adventure. And then he always just has these vague ideas, but right next to his office is the cat bureau, and it's exactly like town hall, except it's cats working there. Kind of like the bear floor in, uh, yes. Whatever we just played. I, I <laughs> guess this game ripped off of a lot of other games. Now that you guys are pointing it out. Yeah, um, <laughs> but the, the cats always know what's actually going on and like give you much better advice. And it's awesome. I do love the cats there. I want a whole game about anti-capitalist elephants now. Personally. It's, it's very good. You should play it. Murderous yeah. anti-capitalist. Yeah. I'm in other JRPGs out that yes, year. Please. The first ogre battle. Fantasy Star 4, Romancing Saga 2, Shining Force 2, and Ys 4. Uh, the rare, not technically a JRPG, actually a KRPG, oh. a Korean role-playing game. Nice. Um, other games that came out during this time, Master of Orion, Seventh Guest, Mist. We didn't even spend any time on Mist. That's how good this year is. How did we not spend any time on Mist? Link's Awakening, 
perhaps the best Zelda, the best Zelda game, and we're just moving on past it. You want more good games? How about X-Wing? How about Clay Fighter? Games we're not even talking about. You guys are older than me. Can you spend more time on Myst? Oh, yeah. You want to talk about Myst? <laughs> Wait, did you say I'm older than you? You are. By 10 days. Corey, you're going to be you're going to be 36 next year. All right, let's talk about Myst. One, <laughs> we're going to do an we're going to do an episode about Myst later. Two, okay. Myst sucked. Wow. Myst sucked. It was really pretty. It was not fun to play. It was very pretty. I, I actually think I agree with the, you on this, but it's been a long time wow. since I played it. The puzzles were so obscure. And when you figured out the story, it was about two whoa, guys whoa, whoa, whose whoa, whoa, dad whoa, 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 sent them into whoa, whoa, a book whoa. or something. Don't you dare. Don't you dare spoil this 25-year-old game. It was, it was not. A, I, right now. Right now. Hand to my, gun to my head. Which do I play, Mist or Seventh Guest? I go Seventh Guest. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is either. It was, it was kind of like Mist, but it was a haunted house. Oh, that's cool. That's Ooh, cool. well then, yeah, I'm There's in. Like yeah, ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It honestly is a little, it makes me feel kind of good for you to say that, because when I saw Mist on the list, I was like, I could talk about it, but I feel like I didn't like it, but everyone loves that game, so... Because your Mist, you know. your Mist is on the list. No, you no. know your Mist, your Mist. And also, Star Wars X-Wing, which we, we did play that one, I believe, right? We did. We've, there, We've there's a full episode about, about that one, and we're an hour into the episode finally talking about it. That's how much you know we loved that game. <laughs> Clay Fighter. This was a fighting game where everything was claymation. Who thought that'd be a good idea? I it was love really fun. Claymation. Oh, it's Listen, right. the 90s was all about claymation. It's brisk, that baby. Was, you got the California Raisins. You got the Claymation Christmas. You got Clay Fighter. Claymation was the shit. What was that wrestling show on MTV that was claymation? Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Celebrity Deathmatch. Celebrity Deathmatch. That was cool. I don't remember this game so well. Oh, that crazy taffy guy! Looks horrifying. It Gosh. was. It was awesome. It was more violent than Mortal Kombat because there were like more fictional creatures. They were more cartoony. Taffy, yeah, you got cut in oh. half. Yeah. What a weird time to be alive. Like a, it's like a pumpkin ghost that's fighting like a ringworm with eyeballs. Yeah, that's taffy. What is happening here? That's. I mean, it looks horrifying. I'm not opposed to it. Honestly, I feel like I'd play it. I feel like that's most of the 90s. It looked horrifying, but I'm not not completely opposed to it. <laughs> Listen, if there's anything that I miss from the 90s, it's how horrifying everything always was. Yeah, true. It's like all about like scaring your children and all that stuff. And I, I do miss that dearly. I yeah. still love the fashion. Like, Well, good, because the kids are wearing it again. Man, I'm playing a video game and there's another character who is a woman in a choker collar. I'm like, hello, oh, man. how are you doing? Ma'am, oh, you look so, nice today. So many chokers. Yikes. So many chokers. That's I mean, both me and Ben are so guilty yeah. of chokers. It's a it's a problem. Yeah, you were you were right <laughs> on that puka shell cusp. I was oh, definitely sure. yeah. definitely hard choker, right? In the, oh, I, I don't both. like that yeah. phrase. I, I was definitely in the choker <laughs> not liking any of it. You know what? We're moving on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We, each of us have, have selected three games that we'd like to <laughs> highlight towards the end of this episode. Let's talk sports games first, Ben. Let's talk sports games, Jay. Sports. Ben, you're our sports correspondent. Yeah. Uh, I'll kick off to you with Mutant League Football. That game was cool. Well, I remember, the, again, the cover art. And then I remember... Hey, it's a, it's on your Game Boy. Pull it out. Play it. Oh, I will. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and then I remember uh, NFL Blitz coming out a few a few years later, and that was kind of like Mutant League Football perfected. And, and with actual teams, because Mutant League Football was yeah. like the Ravagers instead of the Raiders and stuff like right, that. Right, 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 right. It was... 
monsters and skeletons and stuff like playing football and yeah, yeah, yeah. your arms would fall off when you tackle people and people yeah, would it, die all the time. It was great. Exactly. When you tackle people, your arms fall off? Not if you're tackled? When you tackle them, sorry. Oh, I was like, well, that seems counterproductive. That's true. There, were, there were like these <laughs> huge holes in the field where you would fall through into like an abyss. That's right. Oh, and you could bribe the refs. I do miss that. We don't really have those games anymore where there's like the mainstream Madden and then there's Mutant League or NFL Blitz or whatever. And then there's like there's all the NBA games and then NBA Street or what I going to talk about oh, yeah. next, which is Barkley Shut Up and Jam, which was oh. like the fun street ball version of NBA Jam. It was basically a two on two thing, except I think the reason that we don't have those anymore is what I'm about to say. It was like the mainstream version except it was, was less licensing and copywritten stuff, less licensing ability, <laughs> and uh, the controls were worse. You couldn't control both of the players on your team. You could only control one, uh, and the rules were just kind of haphazard. They weren't very consistent, I guess. It was streetball rules, which every street is different when it comes to streetball rules. So, um, yeah, the game game was a little tough. So you're saying it was a shitty version. It was a shitty version. That's really yes, what you're exactly. saying. I think that only one game on this list, though, we could say was the best video game ever made about this sport. Yeah, which is weird that it's in NHL 94. It it's is. so Thank weird you that for it's knowing like, that that's the answer. I was so yeah. worried you'd be like, well, we got to get ahead of ourselves. No, no, no. it is NHL 94. You're and we didn't, right. we didn't play a lot of NHL games. I never really have. Like every five years, I'll, I'll rent one or buy one or whatever. But NHL 94 is the game that kind of like raised the stakes on sports games. We never played. We grew up in California. We didn't play hockey ever. We never really played the video games or anything. We had the Ducks and the Sharks. No, we didn't have the Ducks. That's the wrong place. <laughs> we had the Mighty Ducks on TV, yeah. and we had the Sharks. Yeah. I couldn't name you any of the players on them, right? Mikey, I think, was a kid on the movie. Goldberg. Goldberg was a guy. Goldberg. Anyway. Gretzky <laughs> went to the Kings in 88, and that kind of put uh, oh, yeah. hockey on the map for Californians. I was a Kings fan because literally the one player I could name in the NHL played for the Kings, and so I was like, yeah, I'll be a Kings fan, not a Sharks fan, 30 miles away from my house. No. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. NHL 94, super fun game. A really, really, I, other than icing, which I remember blue line to blue line doing all the time. It still had fighting though? It wasn't until like two years ago, Chad had to explain to me what <laughs> icing actually meant. And I forgot. But anyway, it happened a lot in this game. Uh, yeah, just super fun. It's it's re- very often listed in the like short list of best sports video games of all time. And the fact that it, I don't want to say it still holds up. I haven't played it in 15 years, but it, it for the 90s, it definitely held up for a very, very, very long time, which when you think of like the numbered games like Madden 98, Madden 05, whatever it might be. That's true. NBA Live 2000. It, there's, it's rare that a single year sticks out. Usually they slowly get better over time. But for whatever reason, 94 is is one of those games that just kind of was better than, obviously better than 93, but way better than 95, 96, 97 until the next generation. It may be the greatest hockey game of all time, but it's not the greatest sports video game of 1993, is it, Ben? Oh my gosh. So yeah, I, earlier I said Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 2 uh, was the game I put the most time into. That would probably be second to NBA Jam. This game, I Ooh, think, shot. oh my He's gosh. on fire. He's heating up like and the rainbow, <laughs> like for years, this is still stuff that's said on streets yeah. and like in games, NBA games, college games, high school, wherever you're playing basketball, you will hear verbiage from NBA Jam. I beat this game. I don't want to say with every team, but way more than half the teams. I would beat this game, go through the whole season and uh, play this Jason with our cousin, Jason Walters. We play this all the time. Whenever we, we like holidays, we play it. We'd bring the whole system and play it. Anytime anyone would come over, we'd either play basketball IRL or we play NBA Jam. Other than Michael Jordan winning 
six championships in eight years in like the prime of my adolescence. I think this is the singular most reason why I got hooked on basketball and still am hooked on it. And it's just something that like feeds all of the parts of me other than maybe being able to like create my own player and play as, which speaking of which, there's something that interesting I found out today in the researching that I never knew about NBA Jam. So <laughs> back in the 90s, sports games were weird where random players, usually MVPs, higher level people could buy their licenses back from the league. So like MJ and Shaq didn't appear in video games. But like the late 90s, MJ, not until like 2005 or something. Uh, but basically, apparently due to a special request from the players themselves, MJ, Gary Payton, and Ken Griffey Jr., who didn't play basketball, actually made it onto a limited edition arcade. I'm guessing three were made. Very limited edition version. There was a team with just <laughs> those three players on it that Midway produced for those players, which I would think if I was a millionaire game like if i was a millionaire basketball player i'd be like yeah please make me a special edition with me on it wow even if i didn't play basketball that sounds amazing so <laughs> that's that is pretty fun yeah if i could figure out a way to like customize my not just myself but like all the teams and all the players i guess that's where nba showtime came out and that's why i fell in love with that game but yeah nba jam was the first and it still holds up still i think a lot of the mechanics from nba games today still call back from shooting mechanics to passing mechanics. There's no like screen setting or, or much strategy. Uh, also like, obviously the dunks are like 50 feet high and that, that arcade craziness I still love. But um, yeah, I think it's one of the most influential sports games and just addictive games I've ever played in my life. I don't even like basketball or sports games. I think the most sporty game I ever played was like punch out. Uh, and this is a game that I was addicted to and would play forever. And my sister right. and I would like fight over the control and be like, it's my turn to play. Like we loved that game. And I honestly, when you said, you know, you and your cousins, it was like, you were either playing basketball or playing this game. I honestly think by the time we were hanging out, it was the same thing. Yeah. It was like, we were either outside playing basketball inside your house or we were playing this game inside. So it clearly had a lot of staying power and was just so addictive. And those phrases just, yeah. I mean, if you watch sports center now, you're still going to hear them saying this stuff. Definitely. So yeah. <laughs> the, uh, so the company that made it, uh, is midway midway presents. Yep. yep. There is a documentary that was supposed to debut at South by Southwest. Oh. It's been delayed. Oh. So it will debut at some point Next. called insert coin. Uh, that is about the rise and fall of Midway Games. And the Ooh. guy who did all the voices in NBA Jams, uh, NBA Jams, the plurals. Yeah, all uh, of NBA them. Jam. This tournament edition. Uh, I mean, there's right. another one probably too. Anyway, the voice is uh, a prominent part of the documentary from the trailer that I watched. So uh, yeah, we need to go watch that. That needs to be a month in the news right there. Is that a, I was going to say, is there like a, what do you call the side things that you do on here? Side quests? Side quests. Where do you like watch... Do we watch things and talk about them? So Let's I was just it. thinking, you know, there was that you guys watched the Atari one a few years ago, right? I didn't know the one about ET. The, the ET. You've never seen that. Hmm. See, we should watch these, it, and then oh, no, I don't think is that the one where it's buried in the desert. Where it's buried in the desert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I haven't seen it, but yeah, yeah I heard about. Oh it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I also want to watch Indy in the movie. Have I seen that? I don't know if I've seen that, but. I'm just saying there's some really good like I've watched more game documentaries than I've played in the past several years. Um, but that's a really good one. And I'd watch this new one I'm just saying might make for a good little maybe it's just month in the news. But or no, let's do side quests on each of these one on E.T. Video game yeah, movies. I'm in. The E.T. one is 
fascinating sort of debunking the myth, but also telling like what actually happened with that yeah. whole thing. And like, you know, the, did they sink Atari or, and this whole documentary, the idea is they're going to see if in fact these ET games are actually buried in the desert. And they are. And that's alongside the people from Atari talking about what actually happened with Atari. It's pretty, nice. it's good. And it has Ernest Klein in it, which is really funny. Wow. Like, and his DeLorean. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Anyways. Nice. Sidetracked. Moving on. Good times. Very cool. Um, all right. Uh, so a couple more games to cover. Uh, Corey, you wanted to talk about Epic Pinball. Epic Pinball. Did you guys ever play this? I'm going to Google it. It sounds familiar. Yeah. Like maybe look at it. So I definitely had the shareware version of this game. Uh, I went and I like YouTubed it just to, you know, remember. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember yes, I did. dedicating Absolutely. so much time to this. 100%. Um, yeah, and so, but the YouTube video was like long and it had all these levels to it. And I was like, what's all this? Uh, Cause the shareware version only had the first Android level of it. And it's just a pinball game. It's just like playing pinball in an arcade, but you're playing it on your computer. You know, you hit shift to make the flippers go and all that kind of stuff. And it would have, so the actual game uh, came in three discs, each of which had four tables on them that you could play. So I only had the Android one, uh, but I could lose hours to this game. And honestly, I think we briefly talked about this and we might have thought it was a different game even. But when we were talking about Yoku, yeah. how I said it reminded me of this game from my childhood. And this is the one that I was talking about was Got Epic it. Pinball, because I'd played the other one that we mentioned. And I was like, yeah, I love that game. This is the one, though, that I dedicated hours and hours and hours to uh, just straight pinball which to me is just a satisfying thing even when you're playing it on something that you know is just a keyboard or whatever it's almost like you can feel that tactile response yeah. you know there's something haptic about this like the feedback you get from playing pinball on a computer especially with the mechanical keyboard the big old shift yeah, keys right exactly like it's doing that big yeah. click and everything that you would get with the keyboards at that time so this was just one of those random i don't know where it came from shareware disc that we had and i played constantly and absolutely loved and to this day if i had it on my computer i'd probably play it all day um so this is one of my favorite games ever this is going to take us home the video game syndicate uh developed by bullfrog out of france it's a three-quarter uh, overhead, kind of bird's-eye view, uh, isometric, real-time strategy game based in some kind of cyberpunk future. Uh, you okay. control... Take, take, take it yep, back. Yep. I think you're giving us, like, the Wikipedia version. Give us, like, the two- or three-sentence version of, like, I, why you played thousands of hours of this game. I, I know you think that I was reading when I was doing that. I do not have anything about Syndicate up in front of me. No, I don't believe I, you were. I, I need you yeah. to know that. <laughs> All of that was straight off this Chrome Dome. I've watched hundreds of hours of this game. I've never played for a minute of it. Um, all right. So in Syndicate, you control um, some cyborgs. And actually, that's not who the player character is. The player character is some kind of like mafia don who is like remote controlling these cyborgs. The, in other words, the interface is actually the interface that the player character has. Right. So you are that player character. Does that make any kind of sense? I feel like I'm talking like a crazy person right now. Um, a little bit. The player character is someone in their office playing on a computer. Right. Oh, okay. So I got you. You're yeah. being them. Right. Yeah. And they are controlling uh, these four uh, cyborgs who are their um, 
syndicate agents. They're, syndicate agents are somewhere near between spy and mafia. And first you start out weak and you kind of go around, you send them around and you shoot some people up. And around like level four of, I don't know, 50 or so, you get this weapon called the Persuadatron. And it's this cool cyberpunk future that you walk around in. There's flamethrowers, there's guns, but the Persuadatron is this weapon where you don't target people, you just turn it on. And if you get within five feet of them, then they glow blue and now they will follow you around. And if you play with them to the rest of the game and get all the way to exit the level with them, they will become more syndicate agents for you to use in the future. Hmm. So let's say you've got these guys and you get into a tussle with the cops and you shoot one of the cops and they drop their gun. Well, now one of your, your pals will pick up the gun and help you and start shooting people. Also, hmm. if you get if you can persuade eight people, then suddenly you can persuade a security guard. And if you can persuade four security guards, then you can persuade a cop. And after you've persuaded them, you have this like horde of people on the screen moving around. Mm-hmm. Creepy. And if you can get like eight cops, suddenly you can persuade enemy syndicate agents. Wow. And once you can do that, the game breaks. Like, it's, it's totally a way to break the game. Like, the game keeps playing. It's just like the levels aren't fun anymore, yeah. which is not true because the levels are still incredibly fun because now you have a herd of 200 people that you can go around just yeah. murdering with. It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's gory, but zoomed out enough that you can't see the gore. There's people right. on fire. There's lots of explosions. It's amazing. And I spent an evening with Michael Conrad in 1993 where we literally stayed up all night and beat the game. It's, it's still one of those peak moments in my life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> found it on GOG uh, about six that. months ago, bought it for two bucks, installed it on my computer to say, hey, does it hold up? And two hours later, I went, I should go do some other things now. Oof. Wow. <laughs> That's a good sign. So, yeah. my friends, it holds up. Are there other editions that have come out since, or is it just Syndicate? Yeah, they had two more sequels. Uh, okay. Well, they had an expansion pack called uh, American something or other riots or something like that. Mm. Uh, then they had a, a sequel called Syndicate 2, uh, where they lost some of the core kind of uh, play loop that was really fun. And then they had one for the Xbox 360, which I've purchased but never played uh, because I. I haven't gone through the trouble of trying to figure out if it'll play on my Xbox One. But I should go do that. <laughs> Sounds like really fun. Getting so many ideas right? here, just here watching. Gosh. Mainly, mainly my ideas are that. I should play more Syndicate. Yeah. That's the big takeaway. Um, That's the takeaway for most episodes we record. <laughs> do you want to do honorable mentions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Ben and Corey had a couple games that they wanted to talk about that were not from 1993, but still were games that they were playing a lot in 1993. So uh, why, don't you, why don't you start it out, uh, Math Blaster Corey? <laughs> Yes, well, um, when I wasn't math blasting, I was playing a whole lot. <laughs> so dirty. Gross. Oh, it sounds so terrible. Uh, I was playing a lot of a little game called Jill of the Jungle. Oh, it sounds worse when you say it this way. <laughs> um, so there I am, math blasting Jill of the Jungle. Ooh. <laughs> Don't like it. Don't like it. Well, one plus one equals us. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, uh, Jill of Jungle, anyway, uh, was this game that basically was kind of trying to, like, rip off Nintendo games, essentially, uh, and create something like that, but with, like, a female character in it. Uh, and so, by the way, this is also, this feels like a little bit of a pattern, because this game, I believe it was this game, was was made by yeah it was played made by epic mega games uh and so they wanted to make a nintendo type game with a female character uh so it's got this very like zelda mario kind of feel to it you're in a jungle you're climbing vines you're collecting gems you're finding weapons you're stabbing snakes it's just like a super fun adventure that 
I absolutely loved. Um, and I was watching a little playthrough on YouTube and it even starts with like the little MS-DOS command line that you had to use to get into it. And I was like, I remember doing this and I loved it so much. But just as a side note on this, so I said this, it's like basically an intentional ripoff of Nintendo games. Uh, and I was looking up when I was reading about Epic Pinball that this also was basically a stolen game because basically what happened was that Tim Sweeney saw some Finnish developers made this pinball game. He'd seen some demos and he went and he sent someone over to Finland and was like, hey, we want to recruit you to Epic Mega Games. And they were like, nah, except for one guy. And that guy came over and worked on a prototype with Tim Sweeney. Uh, and then when he couldn't get them to come on board, he just brought the game to Canada and developed Epic Pinball with the unfinished game. So he kind of stole it from some Finnish developers. Wow. And that's essentially what Jill of the Jungle is Yikes. as well, is just kind of looked at Nintendo and was like, hmm, they make some fun games. Let's make exactly that, but with a female protagonist. Well, and it's also like, it, it seems like it's going to be very, maybe not feminist, but at least not misogynist. Because it's like, oh, right. Mario, but with a woman. And yet she's with a woman. she's scantily clad. She's, you know. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, I think it's supposed to have this kind of Tarzan yeah. look to it. But, you know, it, it, eh. so grain of salt on that. It, it's very fun game to play and was my absolute favorite. And like I said, as soon as I, you know, the could get easy Internet access to be able to download stuff like that, you know, and computers were fast enough and had enough space to do so. I downloaded Jill of the Jungle on my computer and it was just, I spent so much time on it and it was very difficult, like trying to play a game like this where you have to time things like jumping from vine to vine and yeah. stuff like that on a keyboard is so much harder than stuff you have to play with a controller. So it was difficult for eight year old me and I absolutely just lived for Jill of the Jungle. Uh, so yeah, that was... That's my honorable mention because I spent it came out in 92, but I spent 93 playing this game religiously. Can I use this as an excuse to tell the story of Epic Mega Games? Please. Okay, so you mentioned Tim, Tim Boswini, yep. um, whose first game was called ZZT. Uh, did you ever play that? Mm -mm. So he made that when he was 21 um, in 1991, and it is like basically a freeform RPG maker. That he sent out into the world and it had a couple levels, but it was more like, and then what can you do with it? And there were like thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of things that people made for this. And I would play wow. all of these different things where you just control ASCII characters in the ZZ2 world. Uh, mm. Really customizable. He sold them uh, via mail order. Uh, so he would share the original software and then you get like um, the full software he would ship out if you actually send him. I think it was like 10 bucks. It wasn't much. Uh, he made an up off of that to open Epic Mega Games which is the stupidest name for a game company ever. Then uh, towards the, they changed the name to Epic in 99 and came, came out, came out with um, <laughs> a game called Unreal and eventually Unreal Tournament, which they uh, developed their own engine for. Yes. Called the Unreal Engine, which is the biggest game development engine out there right now. And then recently they came out with a pretty cool game that seems to have connected with the kids in a new way called Fortnite. Ah, so this is yeah. one of those game companies that just circles behind like everything. Wow. It's so wild. <laughs> no, that was the thing when I started. I looked up the game in the first place, and I was like, Tim Sweeney. That name sounds really familiar. And then I clicked on his Wikipedia. And I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's why. Yeah. yeah. So absolutely. And also a really stand-up yeah. guy. It sounds like. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's really into IP, yeah. as you can tell. Yeah. Fuck PUBG. Yeah. We're going to do the same thing, but free. Yeah. <laughs> and by free, we mean we're going to get kids to steal their parents' yeah. money. Yes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that is really... The case, though, right? It's not even PUBG and Fortnite. Like this is a this is a pattern, homie. This is bad. I mean, hmm. Unreal Tournament was Quake. Yeah, for um, sure. Oh yeah, yikes. Was Gears of War in some way original? <laughs> oh, like just, oh gosh! No, By the way, the I'm opening line of the Gears of War coverage on Wikipedia: Around 2006, the personal computer video game market was struggling with copyright infringement in the form. I'm like, oh, you know what? Not gonna read it. We're good. Yeah. Wow. I, th- I think we're knowing wow. where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, have an idea. Jeez. So there's that. That's my tidbit about my favorite games from 93, nice. but uh, the seedy underbelly of the creation yeah. of those games. Yeah. I'm sorry, real quick. He They went to Gears of War on consoles because they were worried about copyright infringement. They were worried people would infringe Damn. their copyright. Oh, okay. That's that's, yeah, well, that's what we call projection. Yeah, that is projection. Well, that's the I mean that's Steve Jobs, right? The people that steal the most are the people that are most worried about getting stolen from. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's the truth. Yep. Ooh, I should apply that because I always talk to people who are like, man, how can you talk about like this academic theory at like a conference? Are you worried somebody's going to steal your idea? That's the point. Like, <laughs> that's knowledge. No, that's yeah, that's like, not a thing. Like just that's I should as soon as somebody says that, yeah. I should just put up a flag. And yeah, be like, you're like, what idea? That person are you wants to steal. Yeah, exactly. Not from me, but just like that's in what this person goes to conferences for yeah. to steal somebody's ideas. What in the world? Yeah. I've heard so many people say that. Wow. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Okay, so where are we now? I talked about Jill of the Jungle. Ben, what's your what's yeah. your also what's your take? Yeah, so I have a few, not even also rands, right? Like couldn't have rands uh, yeah. because they, these came rands, out in 91, yeah. 92, but their games, again, life was slower back then. The good old days, days of yore where things didn't move very fast. Pre-internet, uh, where, yeah, Super Star Wars, I talked about it, came out in 92, uh, but I, I played it in probably 93, 94, 95. Uh, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past was kind of like the second version of Zelda. Uh, and it basically was not just like that top-down version from NES, but it was the SNES version of Zelda. A little cooler graphics. You're still you're looking for Zelda. You're Link again. Uh, and then another game that I played a lot in arcades and played a lot at home was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time. Holy crap. Yes. That, is game I beat. that game was so good. Oh my gosh. I beat it so many times too. It was that so is fun. The ish. Uh, so many of mom's quarters went into that game. Uh, that came out <laughs> in 92 and along with the Simpsons video game that came out in 91 that you can still find in barcades around the world. Yeah. Uh, that game was just, yeah, it filled up 93, 94, 95 until today whenever I go to an ar- arcade. And then a game that I think I lit up the most, like internally and emotionally, psychologically, when we had a babysitter come over. His name was Ben Johnson. He came over from like three blocks away that he would, br- I think he just brought this game because I think we, we had a, a SNES at the time and it was Super Mario Kart. And it was this like new version of racing games where you could throw things. It was before, obviously, before Mario Kart 64, but completely holds up. I played it a few months ago, and it's super fun. Oh. It's not necessarily, like, obviously, the graphics aren't 64, and that's the, the game we all remember because it came out four years later, but it's still, it's almost the same exact game in so many ways. It's, it's such a similar game, just worse graphics, uh, and just really, really fun to to play. Yeah, and just kind of a, a very approachable racing game. It's kind of what the, the legacy of Mario Kart. Very cool. Uh, and I think we'd be remiss... If we're talking about uh, the year of the game, to not mention a very important game that I know is very important to uh, several of our Patreon supporters, uh, Brent Peterson being one of them, and that is the uh, the Seattle Supersonics, who actually used to be a uh, sports team uh, in the Pacific Northwest, 
Uh, made it to actually Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals in 1993. And if it wasn't for Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley of... Barkley, shut up and jam. Scoring uh, 44 <laughs> points, grabbing 24 rebounds, and going of 19 of 22 from the charity stripe to put an end to the, uh, the super, and if I dare say, duper Sonics. Definitely a contender for one of the best games of 93. Wow. You're a monster. <laughs> Uh, I don't have an, a, uh, an honorable mention because I already mentioned mine, uh, Shin Megami Tensei, which no, actually yeah. came out the year before. But I did just send in Slack an image from Shin Megami Tensei mm. see, for see. Ben and Corey to enjoy. Uh, Corey, would you mind reading to us the text you see on the screen? Oh, boy. If you're such hot shit, then crush this rock with your bare hands. That's, that's it's, making it's a list. fantastic game. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll hear that again in the Christmas special coming this, uh, this winter, <laughs> assuming we're all still alive. You tricked me. <laughs> tricked me. Ah! <laughs> Dastardly. Corey, go ahead and read whatever I write right here on, your, on this Google. Just so read, no, just read it. It, I, and I just straight Ron Burgundy. <laughs> like I no questions. Totally I didn't did. pre-read it. I read it as I went. That's yep. great. Uh, <laughs> all right, we gotta do that again. <laughs> well, I am asleep now. Yeah. Thanks for staying up so late, man. Oh my god, it's tomorrow where you yeah. are. It's tomorrow. Everybody download Syndicate. I love you all. All my listeners, I love you. I love you so much. Good night. <laughs> so, such a sad ending. It's like very much like if the world ends after this. I heard myself say I love you. And, then, <laughs> and I decided it's like, I was oh, like, no. oh, that's kind of sweet. And I started like for a half a second to lean into it yep. and then hated myself for leaning into it. Oh. And then just decided to like go lean even further. I love you. Internet. I love you so much. I love you. I love you so much. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>